Welcome to RBC's Markets in Motion podcast, recorded October 24th, 2023. I'm Lori Calvacina, Head of U.S. Equity Strategy at RBC Capital Markets. Please listen to the end of this podcast for important disclaimers. Today in the podcast, we take a deep dive into the outlook for the U.S. equity market from the S&P 500 all the way down to small caps. Three things you need to know. First, we're sticking with our year-end 2023 S&P 500 price target of 4250 Though upside risks remain, downside risks have grown, and the outlook has become cloudier. We don't think the pause in the S&P rally that we called for back in early August is done just yet. Second, we continue to believe that large-cap growth is in need of a tactical correction, but we also acknowledge its longer-term fundamental appeal, which is why we think the leadership transition has been so tough to come by. And third, small caps remain intriguing from a valuation and earnings perspective, but have been dragged down by balance sheet concerns, rising bond yields, and lingering economic angst. If you'd like to hear more, here's another six minutes, a little longer than usual, but there's a lot to say, so please bear with us. Now let's jump into the details. Takeaway number one, why we're sticking with our year-end 2023 S&P 500 price target of 4250 Back in early August, we argued that the rally in the S&P was due for a pause. Although our valuation work was constructive and highlighted upside risk to our call, our cross-asset models highlighted a deteriorating case for U.S. equities versus bonds. Our sentiment model was on the cusp of suggesting U.S. equities were overbought. Concerns about the 2024 election were starting to emerge. The upward earnings revisions that had powered the market in the first half of the year seemed to be in the rearview mirror, and seasonality was worrisome, as August and September have often been bad years for stocks. We were hoping, frankly, that once we made it through August and September, U.S. equities would be out of the woods. But that's just not where we are, and today we find that the U.S. equity market is still in a spooky place. Our cross-asset models continue to deteriorate. Earnings revision trends have turned modestly negative again for the S&P 500 after a brief move into positive territory. And our sentiment model, which did end up signaling an overbought market in mid-August as we'd anticipated, has retreated abruptly, but it hasn't quite made it back to level suggesting that U.S. equities have become oversold. Political cross-currents have become even more complex, with an extended government shutdown still a distinct possibility and a pickup in geopolitical tail risk given developments in the Middle East. U.S. equity funds flows, which had also been strong throughout the middle months of the year, are also now faltering, as growth in flows in particular have faded. Obviously, the surge in bond yields has taken center stage. We think the broader market is unlikely to find its footing again until the recent surge in bond yields comes to an end. Our top chart in meetings right now shows how historically the S&P 500 is usually able to weather surges in 10-year Treasury yields when they amount to 275 basis points or less. But when they're more than that, as was the case in 2021 and 2022, stocks tend to fall. We're entering a critical phase on this issue right now. The current pickup in bond yields really started post-SVB in early April, and if we get to 6%, we'll have hit that 275 basis point threshold. While we don't consider ourselves to be deeply bearish, particularly on a 12-month view, we do think the U.S. equity market still has a number of critical issues to work through for now and that downside risks have grown. Let's move to takeaway number two. The large-cap growth trade has problems to work through as well, but also has longer-term appeal. The basic problem for the growth trade right now is that it's crowded and expensive. 
the latest weekly data from CFTC on asset manager positioning in NASDAQ 100 futures, highlights how positioning has started to roll over after exceeding the high end of the range that's been in place the last six to seven years. Within the Russell 1000 as well, growth has been near a peak multiple relative to value. And this is all coming at a time when 10-year yields are surging, something that's normally a catalyst for growth underperformance. We think growth hasn't been able to truly seed leadership for a couple reasons. First, earnings momentum has favored growth over value, though this may be starting to change. Second, consensus economic forecasts continue to anticipate a sluggish or below 2% real GDP growth in 2024 and 2025. This is an environment which typically sees growth stocks outperform as sluggish economic growth tends to increase the appeal of owning secular growers. And third, the U.S. has ended up being more appealing geographically in 2023 with better flows than other major geographies on the equity fund side. Typically, when U.S. equities outperform non-U.S. equities, within the U.S., growth stocks tend to outperform value stocks as well. Ultimately, we think how investors approach the style call will depend on their time horizon. Shorter-term investors may want to reduce exposure to growth, but longer-term investors will likely see this as an opportunity to add. We'll wrap up with takeaway number three. Opportunity exists in small caps for longer-term investors, but near-term catalysts remain elusive. We continue to like small caps for the longer term. Although few investors seem interested in hearing it, small cap balance sheets actually appear to be in better shape than they've been in past cycles. Like large caps, small caps have pivoted to long-term debt, and the effective interest rate for the median small cap company is still quite low relative to history. On average, the weighted average maturity for small caps is also about four and a half years. Beyond that, valuations remain compelling for small caps relative to large caps, with the relative forward P.E. breaking to new post-tech bubble lows. And small caps have also nearly closed the gap relative to large cap on earnings revision trends, removing an important advantage for large caps from earlier this year. Meanwhile, positioning in small caps has also taken a sharply negative turn on the weekly CFTC data for asset managers and has gotten close to its post-SVB lows. All that being said, the near-term picture for small cap has admittedly deteriorated, and we think it may take longer than we'd previously anticipated for a positive inflection in small cap relative performance to emerge. After showing signs of improvement earlier this year, small cap flows have deteriorated in most of the fund flow categories we've been tracking on the equity side. Fed cuts have also turned into a psychologically far-off catalyst, as investors have started to debate whether another hike is coming in late 2023 and have become fixated on the surge in 10-year yields underway. Small caps are always a part of the stock market best left to those with strong stomachs, and that statement seems even more true today. That's all for now. Thanks for listening, and be sure to reach out to your RBC representative with any questions. This content is based on information available at the time it was recorded and is for informational purposes only. It is not an offer to buy or sell or a solicitation, and no recommendations are implied. It is outside the scope of this communication to consider whether it is suitable for you and your financial objectives.